1: Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Media Network.
2: You know what? Send them out there. Let some some record casino near you. (laughs) Yeah, a casino (laughs) near you. Smoking inside aloud. (laughs) (laughs) They'll copy a room to come to this concert. (laughs) Nostalgic for me at this point, right? I respect them. Sure, they're playing stadiums, but you know, the Washington football team play stadiums. <laughs> Look how bad they are. Okay? <laughs>
3: so, Damn, That's a local self burn.
1: Well, you just had the Krugman self burn. So, I mean,
2: like yeah, we're just making fair. the rounds here. Everyone gets one and Lance is just out. scot free. Cause he's moderator. <laughs>
1: Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and collaborators. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this very special encore episode of yesterday's concert, we're playing a new game, Collabs Gone Wild. This ain't some we are the world cheese, so grab your earplugs as we mix, match, and jam. I'm here with two of my oldest friends two music fanatics like no other, and the two people I've single-handedly gone to more shows with than anyone else. You can hear about one of our adventures in the Season 1 Widespread Panic episode and an upcoming Season 3 episode about the Almond Brothers. We were college roomies for three years, and albeit digitally, this is the first time the three of us have been together in more than a decade. So the first guest is a friend of the pod. His name is Stu Kelly. You can hear our conversation about fish if you go back into the feed. And our second guest was an honorary friend of the pod, but he's making it official with his debut, Mosin Hussein. Welcome, boys.
2: Lance, thanks for having us. I am thrilled to be back, and thrilled to be joined by Mosin. I I feel like uh, this is overdue. He's finally making his debut.
3: Hello, Lance. Thank you for having me. I'm very glad to be here. After um, your audience has heard of my mention a few times, I'm glad to finally make my voice heard and uh, have them get to know Mosin a little better.
1: All right, guys, so as is tradition with yesterday's concert, we like to break in with just some uh, some quick round questions, a little fun. Since you are my boys, we're going to have a little bit of fun with some nostalgia today, so they're going to be catered to us as a threesome. I'm asking both of you, do you remember the first show the three of us attended together? I have a guess. Shoot it. I believe it's Moon Taxi. I was going to guess the same. Nope. You and I went to see Moon Taxi together. However, I went back to the annuals. It was Perpetual Groove, mm. September 11th, 2008. It was at the, of the library. library it was at the Lyric. Oh,
4: the Lyric. Oh, okay. wow.
1: Yep. Yep. So that was the first one I remember going with both of you two. So, okay. So next question Do you remember the last show that we attended together? Oof. That's even harder. It is <laughs> yeah. hard. It was a really hard one.
3: Oh, oh man. man. I, I didn't do my homework. <laughs> was it in Oxford?
1: That was, was going to be a question. It, it, it was in Oxford. You are correct. That's a fair question because we did go out of town a lot. For some
2: reason, I want to place it at the Lyric. You're wrong. Was
1: it Proud Larry's? It was Proud Larry's. This one has to be Moon Taxi, right? You are correct. October oh 14th, God. 2010 was the last time all three of us went to a show together. So it has been 12 years since we all shook our booties at once. That is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this one, you don't have to do your homework for. It's a little more fun. So let's be sweet. What was your favorite show that we attended together as a threesome? You you know,
2: one, I I believe we're all three at this one. Um, Lance, were you at Bass Nectar at Proud Larry's with us? I was. I was at that one that one to me stands out because you know not but like 4 months later i would see him at a, on the main stage at all good after further <laughs> and going and this is why it kind of ties into this the theme of this episode is going from a grateful dead spin-off band to an a solo edm dj was not just a light switch it was like a monsoon just took over and I had to stop myself in that moment and be like, I just saw this guy in a bar with like 40 people <laughs> you know, in, in the deep South, Northern Mississippi. And I think that one, maybe not favorite, maybe not best quality music, but definitely like weirdest experience. I think for me that all three of us were together.
3: I would have to go with the time we saw Derek Trucks at the Lyric, Derek Trucks band, because we all got to be super fanboys and, <laughs> Wait for the bus and meet the guys in the band and get merchandise signed. So that was definitely an experience.
1: Well, guys, that was sweet. That That (laughs) meant a lot. It was good to reminisce. All right. So the game that we're going to play today is called Collabs Gone Wild. And it's the ultimate guest sit-in. Each round, I'll draw two selections that consist of artists, musicians, or bands for you to discuss the potential collaboration. Be warned, there are sleeper agents included. Therefore, the game allows for one pass where both picks are tossed and two new ones are selected. But you must make that decision together as a team. The game is 10 rounds, with the 10th and final round being a super jam. In this epic We Are the World mashup, there will be four selections drawn. No passes can be used in this round. As the generous host that I am, I've allowed our participants to include two selections each. Tell me who your picks are. Mosin.
3: I had to go with uh, two versatile jam band uh, veterans. They both play bass and guitar. They both have recently gotten into singing, and I've seen both of them do support and lead their own bands. Um, I'm going with Eric Krasno and Reed Mathis.
2: I went with uh, the cornerstone of my super band that I dream about day in and day out. And on bass, I've got Flea, and on lead guitar and vocals, I've got Prince.
1: So, without further ado, we'll make our first draw. So, I'm going to pull two names, and we'll see how this matchup goes. Oh, are you nervous at all? I don't know why. I feel like I'm on, like, uh, national
2: television about to be eliminated in <laughs> front of the whole country and let my family down.
3: As long as I'm not <laughs> the only one thing it's a competition, Stu.
1: Okay, so the first round. Stu, I know you're going to love this one. Susan Tadeshi and Ween. Ooh.
3: Wow.
2: <laughs> wow. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to be the bad cop on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I die on this hill. To some, it's a mole hill. To others, it's Mount Kilimanjaro. I've tried. I've really tried with Ween. I've seen them a few times. The only thing I haven't done is see them outside of a festival. I just don't like them if I'm being honest and I, I feel the offense from the future listeners listening to this right now. I feel the offense by my two best friends in the world on the call right now. (laughs) I just don't get it. You know, it's so those two to put someone so angelic and perfect and (laughs) with ween, it hurts. (laughs) Maybe she'll drown him out. Maybe she'll do all the singing and she can shred on the guitar i just don't see her fitting in with like the shtick and the songs about boys club and cheese and what you know whatever else there is so um that's an interesting one uh big stark difference in my opinion
3: i am in agreement but i'm gonna go ahead and play the good cop anyways uh also <laughs> not a fan of the band huge fan of susan Tedeschi though but they are talented musicians in their own right i just don't care for the music they make together Like Dave Dravitz, for example, does an amazing job in Jurix Is Almost Dead. If they did an entirely cover set that was more leaning towards her wheelhouse, where they did mostly blues or jazz or classic rock, it could be a decent set if they were able Mm -hmm. to keep their Zappa side in check. Like Stu mentioned, you know, they do get weird. They do get out there. So yeah, original material, it would have to be hers exclusively because... I can't name one weaned song that, you know, they would even want her as a guest on. It's just vocals is not a strong suit of that band or something. You know, those <laughs> lyrics would just be hard for her to keep a straight face and read. Like this person grew up on, you know, some strong, powerful words. Even what she writes is mostly civil rights related. And then here's this band who writes titles that I can't even mention. It's either drugs or <laughs> sex. But I mean, that is rock and roll, I guess, at the end of the day.
1: It's that I've been racking my brain. I'm like, what's one song that they could fit on? And there's like the only one that's coming to my mind is "Fluffy." It's purely based because it's more blues based than a lot of their stuff. But even that, like, I mean, Jean's vocals are so purposefully ridiculous on that track. There's no way she could mimic that in any way that would make it semblance of a song. Uh, Yeah, there's just that would be awful
3: it's really hard to imagine a vocal duet there (laughs) yeah to me as someone who's like
2: just you know admittedly not a fan or or whatever um i know that the internal moving parts of ween there's a lot going on and that they all play pivotal roles to like the overall sound and i know that it's considered good by a lot of people because they have like a cult-like following like if you tell a ween fan you don't like it they look at you like you have never opened your mind to any music ever. You've never made any attempt. You don't know what good music is. It's like me at 22 when someone talks bad about Trader Um, But <laughs> it, in all honesty, I look at them now and I'm like, it's organized chaos, right? Like they have a very niche approach to what they're doing and people love it. So I'm not saying it's not working. I'm just saying, uh, you know, I've, I've tried. It's just not really for me.
1: They're the most punk rock jam band on the circuit. I mean, that's the only way to really describe them at the end of the day. Cause I mean, they do like I was thinking about the one time I've seen Wien was at the lyric. Without both of y'all should have come with me. It was an amazing show. It was really a great show. It was not brown. Uh they they did they played for like two and a half hours. The jams were huge. It was a lot better than a lot of the recordings I've heard. And it's so interesting you say punk. The most punk jam band
2: because if you were to take this episode and pull it back a layer and, and do let's just smash together two different genres like that's exactly what you just did with these two examples.
1: Okay, all right. So our picks for round two. Oh, y'all are gonna love this one. Oh, this one's fantastic. My boy Billy Strings and Jen Hartswick. Oh my
2: god, oh, wow. this is fire. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievably good i mean mo I-, I want to hear your thoughts out the
3: gate well this one it's going to happen i would i'm going to go ahead and say within the next year or two this will happen as often as she is a artist at large at jam band music festivals this pairing is just waiting you know um she can add her horns and vocals and it, this is definitely going to happen this will make a great addition to the band and they can cover fish together. She has covered a lot of fish songs recently as Trey Anastasia Band has expanded their repertoire and brought in music from his other band. And so, and he loves to cover fish himself. So I can definitely see them doing some fish together, doing some dead together, but that would be a phenomenal pairing. You can do vocal duets, they can jam together. So yeah, this one I'm looking forward to, and this will definitely happen. I'm going to go ahead and say this will happen within the next two years.
2: Yeah. And you know, that's a good point. Like, I never really thought about the likelihood of any of these things happening. Um, but this one does feel like, you know, you're onto something there, Mo. Like it, it could very well happen. They overlap all the time at festivals. And for me, I don't know what I got more excited about, whether it was the duets and the contrast of like the twangy bluegrass vocals from Billy and the sheer power of j Or is it like the dueling solos from her trumpet and his, you know, picking guitar like i mean you just have so much to work with there and um i i love this one a lot i think it's really cool
1: that's what i was thinking about like can you imagine just her vocals and his guitar like just the two of them like that would be oh my god oh my gosh that'd be like if they did an album together that would that would just blow up oh. that would be amazing i'm thinking of also just like covers that j does in her various projects
2: and like black dog or um, you know the gorilla song, like Clint Eastwood. I mean, like there's she just commands the vocals on those, and to I can imagine Billy just soloing on top of it or weaving in and out of it.
3: That's a powerhouse couple right there for
1: sure. <laughs> I mean, like her doing like her singing "Dust in a Baggy" with him shredding in the background. Oh my god! Like dude, that's just that's what jam band dreams are made of, man. Oh, my God, as
3: often as he has guests, even during his regular tour, he will have people come through his shows. Uh, This one is going to happen, whether at a festival or on tour, these paths will cross for sure. And recently, uh, Jen's very good friend and musician also sat in with Billy, you know, Stu Kelly's favorite, Trey Anastasio.
2: Yeah, I mean, the torch, the torch was just too, too hot to hold on to that weekend. So they just had to keep around a bunch of different bands. But hot um, it. yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that Billy hasn't admired J-Ha for years. And and there's no doubt that she doesn't know exactly who he is now. Just like so many people do outside of our little jam band utopia bubble.
1: All right. So we are moving on to round three. The names have been drawn. Just want to throw out a reminder that you have a pass. First name is Miles Davis. The second name is Rob Zombie. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah. Uh, you have a You have
1: a pass. You can you can go on if you if this one's just too bad.
2: Well, I don't want to speak for Mo, but uh, him I, and I, I
3: we do it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to
2: say we're <laughs> definitely not passing. Um, Mo, why don't I ask you this? When you heard Rob Zombie was a second artist, wh- how did it hit your ears and what were you feeling right off the bat?
3: I was feeling the same anger that I've seen Miles Davis display towards some of his bandmates when they don't play it exactly how he wants them mm. to. And Rob Zombie and his band are not people that would, you know, hit those notes like he would want to hear them.
2: It's just, wow. (laughs) This is another one of where I think people overlook Rob Zombie and like, you know, how adept he actually is as a musician and a craftsman. And I don't, I I think people just look at the genre of music he makes and feel like he's kind of limited as far as his talent pool and stuff like that. But in this collaboration, I look at him taking the opposite approach and letting Miles do a lot more talking with his instrument and trying to carve out the space that's intentionally left open for collaboration in jazz. So when I say like I envision that kind of approach of of the space that's left intentionally open, I hope that's kind of what would come out of these two, but could go either way. I just don't feel like the other way. I don't feel like Miles has a place on an Ozfest stage soloing to Dracula. I, I just can't see that one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you okay so you say that but i was just watching netflix just put out a new woodstock 99 documentary and i watched it the other night and willie nelson opened sunday cheryl Crow played on friday she was like the opener and then jewel opened on saturday and i mean that was like rage against the machine corn Limp Biz- i mean so i mean maybe maybe there's some crossover maybe maybe they can work it out i see what you're saying um i i you know i would
2: feel like any true fan of music should appreciate Miles Davis, whether or not you listen to him regularly or whatever. Right. Even if you like heavy stuff. Oh, for sure. But yeah. I mean, there's certainly the audience or appreciation is there. I just don't know how it would come out and of the PA. Like, would you even be able to hear Miles, you know, in a sitting in in a Rob Zombie set? Or would it need to be configured where Rob was finding a place in a Miles Davis environment?
3: I would agree with Stu on this wholeheartedly. I mean, I think he's making a very good point here. If, let's say this is a festival setting, this collaboration is happening on and they're doing Rob Zombie's music, he will definitely have to cater to Miles because, yeah, a guy in a trumpet versus all that distortion and double bass drums and pyrotechnics, I mean, that's a show. So that would definitely, the set list wouldn't be the question mark here, I would say. I mean, maybe they just do like a fella cootie tribute and they just play Zombie for 40 minutes. That would work.
1: So the thing that y'all are both putting out there is Miles sits in with Rob Zombie and his band. What if Rob came in and sat in with Miles and his band? It's not like, I mean, yes, he is not a great vocalist, I would argue, but he is a vocalist. And I mean, Miles has played with vocalists before. So what would it look like for Rob to sit in with Miles's band?
2: Yeah, I feel like that's the one that makes more sense to me right off the bat, especially since. With Miles' catalog, there's so much more room to be free and open and and change things on a whim or incorporate someone that's from such such an outside world. And Rob Zombie is certainly talented and stuff, but I don't feel like he has that same level of flexibility with his sound. So I I would like to hear Rob Zombie like sing sing instead of shout, and you know, maybe put together like a ballad or something. Yeah
3: yeah or he could just shout and he would just be (laughs) shouting versus miles's angry trumpet shouting you know they could just be duetting vocals scat versus trumpet because another big question is when you throw out that name miles davis like which era are we talking is this like funky miles is this fusion miles is this bluesy miles so you know the man did rewrite the history of music multiple times so we don't know which miles is showing up on this day
1: So moving on to round four. So I got two picks. Prince and Janis Joplin.
3: Oh, wow. How are
1: you going to do me like that, Lance? <laughs> How are you going <laughs>
2: to do me like that? Well, I mean, Prince is going to look better. He's going to sound better. He's going to dress better. He's going to command the stage better. There, he Prince played with so many incredible female musicians and female vocalists that You know, Janice would have to really fight to to find her place in that set.
1: So you're not thinking it's going to be good. Are you a Janice hater?
2: I'm not a Janice hater. I just think you you put Prince up. Prince has got to go up with someone, you know, like Prince is top tier, right? Janice, I just don't feel (laughs) like brings that level of of a show and of, of talent. I I, I feel like I'm the bad cop again.
1: (laughs) You are. (laughs)
3: Gosh. I mean, she would have to somehow be somewhat sober because Prince is a pretty, another one of those musicians that is tight. You know, he will expect people to hit those notes and, you know, carry the music forward. And she did tend to get sloppy. If you watch any footage of her, like studio records, amazing voice, you know, great writing and singing talent. The band was really good, too. But when you see them live, like it's kind of like seeing a Jim Morrison performance live. It can be and I know Stu Kelly is going to hit me. (laughs) for It's painful at times because this person is not in touch with the band. They're kind of just doing their own thing in their own world, just out there, whether they're drunk or on other substances. But so she would have to be on her game. Like Stu said, she would it would have to be a tight performance by her. So if if it was possible for her to be sober for one show, this is the one.
1: But we're we're talking live. We're talking live. We, this could be an album like this could be in the studio where you get 18 takes four days and Janice can sober up long enough to hit the sh- hit the notes.
2: That does change a lot. And I'll tell you yeah. why, because in, in like a, a live performance setting, not taking this away from Janice or any other female vocalists that, you know, are just vocalists, but she doesn't play an instrument. There's not a lot else that she can lean on besides her vocals so if they are trying to cut an album together and they get you know two weeks or mo- two months whatever and they can take 20 takes and however long it takes then yeah I think Prince would be especially be able to like add her talent on to another set of layers and and stuff uh that he's got going on in that genius mind of his live though that's where my initial reaction was like I'm trying to see both of them walk out on an Isle of Wight stage or something like that. And I just, it's hard for me to see Janice really like earning
3: that spot. I concur. Studio definitely changes the game. If it's studio, it could definitely work, but live. Yeah. I don't know if she's going to be up for it.
1: I mean, I think about like, I I like her vocals. I'll be real. I like her vocals. I have several live albums of hers and I enjoy them. I think within the frame in the context of the right band, she's going to do really great. But I mean, that's I just think about like if they did when doves cry, like she would sound really good if she could keep her vocals in check and not yeah. just start wailing if she didn't Donna it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I do think that could be a really cool. I mean, because imagine like her vocals and then him guitar soloing behind that doing some backing vocals. That would be pretty sick, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I see it. Um, I do see she she has a powerful voice, too. It's not like. You know, she doesn't command center stage when she does her own thing. And I can see Prince playing into that. And, and especially if she was covering some of Prince's stuff, like even the ballads, even like, um, you know, Diamonds and Pearls or Nothing Compares to You. Like, I would love mm-hmm. to hear that duet. That mm-hmm. excites me.
3: Uh, Again, I'm thinking back on if this is Prince sitting in with her band, because earlier my thoughts were if she's the guest vocalist, for example. But in a live setting, if Prince is sitting in and he just wants to wait his turn and take a guitar solo, it would work. But Mm. if it's Prince's band, which I feel like with a personality like that, it's always going to be he's going to be running the show. Then I don't think this one works.
1: All right. So let's move on to round five. Flea. And Krungbin.
3: Oh, wow. God.
2: This is so good. I don't know if you're intentionally stacking them of like one's supposed to hit you like a left hook across the face and the other's supposed to be like a warm pillow. But (laughs) uh, this one's really cool because obviously Krungbin is so unique and like they have they've been able to create such a unique identity in just the instrumental space. Which is hard. I mean, unless you're a band like Sound Tribe or you're really catering to like a specific genre, I feel like Krongbin is the slow cooker of music, where they just throw, cowboy cook and like throw all these ingredients in, and then what they put out is so insanely unique. And they're and they're from Houston of all places. Like I would never guess that you know they're from Houston. Flea has paid homage to Laura Lee. Mm-hmm. He has you know mentioned her in interviews. Um, and uh, I think this one would be cool because. Flea has such a delicate approach to collaboration and stuff that's outside of the Chili Peppers and anything like, you know, his Adams or Peas, or like any other project that he's involved in, in is very, like, he's super strict on himself. He's really about, like, direction and execution and where with Chili Peppers, he can be a little bit more loose and, and the Flea we love. Um, so I feel like he would approach collaborating with Krungbin, like, in, in a very respectful way, that I'm just there to serve the overall purpose. And it's not about me and featuring these three musicians.
3: Yeah, this would definitely be a great collaboration. And I agree with Stu. I would see Flea coming in as not the child that jumps on stage shirtless with Red Hot Chili Peppers, but as a mature adult musician who wants to contribute to what they're doing. And yeah, they could definitely do some george clinton or some james brown because uh uh, crown Green will do some classic funk stuff and chili peppers have covered some classic funk stuff so i think there's definitely overlaps there and what they enjoy listening to and they could definitely make it work but overall this is going to be a lot calmer more mature flea than you know the version that tours with rhcp i would say but this would definitely make for a really cool set
1: that's I, as soon as I drew up, Stu, I was like, You, I thought about when Flea paid homage to her, to Laura, and was just talking about what a great bassist she is. And, you know, I've read so much about her that she's not the most technically proficient bassist out there, but she has feel like so many, right? Like, just like nobody else. And that's, what, you know, he was talking, I think he even made, made mention about her feel and just how fantastic it was. And that's why I was just thinking, like, if he sat in with them, uh, I'm with y'all, like, this would be. I mean, it would be beautiful what he would do. It wouldn't be just funk. It would be beauty. I mean, it, that would be so cool. Yeah,
2: and you, and you talk about the feel of the of Laura Lee's bass, and you can certainly hear what he's talking about, you know, if you hear them live or hear studio tracks or whatever. And I wonder if, if Flea would push her away from that intentionally without mm. her, like, being aware of what he's trying to do or where he's trying to test her limits as a player. Um, or I wonder if he could take the jazz approach And, you know, like I said, originally, like be super delicate and respectful Mm -hmm. to his contribution Um, and and kind of be quiet right off the bat. I don't know. It's just got so much to it. I I feel like the three in Krungbin would be so excited to have him on stage that they would try to cater something for him to solo and jump around. And the type of Flea that I just don't see, you know, intentionally coming into this into this collaboration.
3: I feel the same. I would say... I can see more likely, you know, I mean, you've mentioned the trumpet. That would be pretty awesome if you busted out the trumpet. That would definitely (laughs) contribute a very cool sound. I'm surprised they haven't really toured with horns much because that could definitely add another dimension to their instrumental fusion world music they've got going on. But I see her as more staying in her role and staying in the pocket and then him just coming in as another lead instrumentalist, uh, you know, to go with the lead guitarist and actually push that music along and take some solos and but I I feel like she would she would keep in her role of actually holding down the baseline and he would just add another lead voice on top
2: what's also cool is Laura Lee could even take lead vocals on a chili pepper song and if and that and if with her in the play vocally you've got everything in mix whether it's higher ground a steve wonder cover or something slower like under the bridge i feel like that's that would be a cool approach as well um she's starting to sing more a little bit mm. um so that's something that that could be a possibility
1: so i want to throw out a hypothetical since this is all hypothetical they're both playing at the same festival Laura lee eats bad paella the night before she can't make the gig flea sits in instead of her how does that night turn out
3: I think he's going to be a professional musician and he's going to serve the music. He's going to change his style and actually hold the bass and lock in with the drummer and they're just going to play a set of Krongbing. Maybe a funk song or two thrown in where he's going to you know, stretch out a little bit more. But I, I see him as being a professional and just playing her role rather than uh, you know, doing his thing with their music.
2: I think he does stay in the lane of Krongbing and respect their time slot and the festival and, like, you know, their music. Um, but I think he does bring a little bit more intensity. And you and you hear him more in that situation than you would had he shared the the bass playing responsibilities with Laura Lee on stage.
3: That side might ruin Krongbin for Krongbin fans. They might realize what a real bassist like in that band.
1: Oh, shots oh, fired. Damn. Shots
3: okay, fired. should we unpack
1: that? I mean, we're
3: supposed to just walk away from that one?
1: Yeah, you got to <laughs> explain yourself, I mean,
3: man. I'm just saying, like, he actually plays more than just a line. she kind of stays within her bounds like she and the drummer just kind of play a loop and the guitarist takes solos whereas flea is not going to just sit back and you know if like Stu is saying if flea is going to add his flavor that might end up being the best set they've ever played because that band might actually just win.
2: but you don't like laura lee <laughs> 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 okay Just want to make sure one day you will atone for these sins. Most.
3: I mean, if you read their early interviews, Mark Spires literally wrote the baselines and taught her how to play those specific baselines. Like we're discussing Meg white from the white stripes right now. If Jack white tours without her, nobody bats an eye. Like his ticket sales didn't get affected.
2: We're, we're, dangerously close to a Ringo Starr effect (laughs) domino theory
3: (laughs) at the end of the day like I don't know I feel like that one man is the musical genius in the other two people are I mean the drummer is extremely talented they're all talented musicians I was about
1: to say the drummer's good
3: one guy is writing the music and he's literally telling them here's the charts Play this so it just for me Flea is not that guy he's not gonna read and play a chart like I don't think that you know, in Red Hot Chili Peppers, any other of his projects, anybody's ever told Flea what to play and he's followed it, even if they did. So I feel like this may just end up being the best set they've ever played. They might actually, you know, do something other than how it is on the studio record live.
2: They might actually win most and over.
3: <laughs> hey, I'm a big fan. You know, they're local. I got to support the home team. They're very diverse. You know, I think they represent this city pretty well, as uniquely diverse as it is.
2: Well, you know, maybe... If the Krung band thing doesn't work out, she'll just form a super band with Meg White, Ringo Starr, <laughs> Art Garfunkel, <laughs> and lots of super really talented people that we've all taken for granted.
1: <laughs> I think you just spoiled the super jam in round 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sort through these names to make sure there's nobody else catching strays before we go any further. All righty. So on to round six. It uh, it starts high and goes low, Stevie Nicks, and I'm gonna say 2022 Stevie Nicks, not even <sighs> 1977 Stevie Nicks, because I want to, I want to encourage your pass of this one, with the second choice being. Def Leppard. <laughs> oh my God.
3: <laughs> I mean, they're all in the same age today. So that actually, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I think right now Joan Jett is on tour with Poison, Motley Crue, and like another hair metal band. Def like, Leppard. Four of them on one bill. So, you know what? Send them out there. Let some, some Play record. Red casino near you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, you,
2: smoking inside aloud <laughs> <laughs> They'll copy a room
1: to come to this concert. But I mean, I think you're. I mean, but both. I mean, like you were saying, Def Leppard is headlining a stadium tour, and Stevie Nicks just headlined Bonnaroo. So I mean, it's not. I mean, they're a little bigger than casino level talent. Oh, point. there's a lot of
3: hits to be played. That's for sure. Between the two acts, but I, I'm still leaning towards the past. Though here, <laughs> as we discuss this. <laughs> I mean, 70,
2: 77 Stevie Nicks changes a lot for me. You know, um, 2022 Stevie, sorry, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I am sorry. <laughs> a Def Leppard, nostalgic for me at this point, yeah. right? I respect them. Sure, they're playing stadiums, but, you know, the Washington football team plays stadiums. <laughs> Look how bad they are.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> that's a local self-burn
2: yeah that's a self-burn well you just had the Uh, crumb
1: self-burn so i mean like we're just making the
2: rounds here everyone gets one and lance is just out scot free because he's
1: moderator (laughs) (laughs) there's still time let's just pass i gotta pass on this one i'm gonna make the vote if y'all are good with i'm proposing the the pass for this round we got plenty of names left i think we could come up with something more interesting (laughs) can we agree to pass i'm
2: gonna I'm going to uh, not take you up on the pass. And my closing <laughs> remark is not good.
3: <laughs> yeah, I got to agree with Stu. Yeah, this is not a show that you really want to see, folks. You know, uh, they might play some hit songs, but just put on the album. It sounds way better.
1: Okay, so on to round seven. Then. So let's see. Okay, so this this is going to be weird. Jason Isbell and Herbie Hancock.
3: Oh, wow. Love it.
1: Very cool. But would it be? This could be really good. I'm struggling to see how this is going to work. I mean, I love both of them individually, but together... I- I... They're
3: both very respectful musicians. Both have done a lot of collaborations that may be out of the box. Herbie Hancock recorded a Space Captain with Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks, and that version is phenomenal. So I can definitely see... Herbie Hancock doing something with Jason Isabel where they both agree like some classic rock or even Altman Brothers covers. You know, it doesn't have to be a jazz set or a country set, but if they, you know, meet in the middle, both of them are talented and the way they approach their guest spots or when they have guests, I feel like they're both very respectful musicians. So this could actually be a great collaboration in my opinion.
2: For me, this one just hits me of like sheer musical prowess that each of them bring and if you put those two together it's bound to work out it's like a michael jordan scotty Pippin situation in my eyes and i don't really know which direction they would take it but i do know isbel is very versatile mm-hmm. and i feel like herbie is a legend so i i really like it i, th- I see limitless possibilities
1: y'all talking made me realize i was only seeing isbel as a vocalist sitting in with herbie hancock which, I'll be honest, I don't think would work. I don't I don't think Jason's vocals would work with any of Herbie's music. But if you put Jason on guitar in Herbie's band, I think y'all are right. He's versatile enough that I think he would fit. But I think the better fit would be Herbie sitting in with Jason's band and doing something. I think that's where this duo would really shine. I agree with I that.
3: I absolutely agree with that, definitely. That would be a Southern rock epic concert for sure. Because yes. Irby can bust out his guitar and take center stage and take some solos. But
2: okay. yeah, I see that. I see Jason's band uh, giving him like first right of refusal for each song if he wants a solo or not type situation. Yeah. And that's what would excite me. I, I This one's cool.
1: I like this one. Any uh, closing remarks? We can move on. That was a, That was an easy one. I'm nervous for what's on the horizon, because that one was pretty good.
3: <laughs> we still have our passes, I think, well, And I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to make a rule right now. If you don't pass, we're going to do an extra round.
3: Is that supposed to be punishment? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> our do you state, remember let's living with us? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Here we go. Round number eight. The Pixar M Eric Krasno, Samozen, you're getting involved now, and Justin Timberlake.
2: Oh wow! It's not that I can't see it because I can see it. Yep. But I feel like Krasno would be an afterthought as any if if a pop star is touring and they have a real band, the band is either like side stage or like you know behind a curtain. I I just don't see it's Justin Timberlake and Eric Krasno hitting an arena near you. Yeah. It's Justin Timberlake and it happens to be Eric Krasno. Like right now Roger Waters is on tour and Robert Walter is is playing keys for him. Um so I kind of see it falling into that sort of like a featuring this really cool musician that's part of the house band. Musically the styles though I feel like Krasno can lay down the funk and Justin's got plenty of Upbeat, danceable, good—you know, good music. It's not just like in sync, <laughs> but yeah, I can hear uh, Krasno soloing on like a sexy back or something, mm-hmm. or a, a piercing solo on Crimea River. I mean, I can hear it. Yep.
3: Yeah, not a collaboration I would really even go see, just because, like Stu said, either Krasno is a backing musician or he's featured with a spotlight on him for one or two solos a night. Because Justin Timberlake at this point is too big of a pop show. You know, it is a show with a lot of theatricals and cues, and Krasno would have to really change how he approaches live music. He would have to do a scripted, you know, you get 72 seconds a night, you have to do this solo note for note. So it's just not really something that I would enjoy. Unless, let's say this is an acoustic duo tour, now we're talking, with Justin Timberlake just singing and Krasno with an acoustic guitar just playing guitar. That could work, but with the full band, full show, I I'm not seeing it.
1: Well, the, my I, my first reaction was like, ah ha, ha that's silly. But I started thinking about it, I was like his Eric Krasno's style really does fit with Timberlake's. I mean, there's the pop element of Timberlake that kind of sways it differently. But I mean, Krasno is R and B and funk and all of the things that Timberlake does. He just puts a more modern, you know, popish spin on a lot of it. So I mean stylistically it's not like they clash it would just be a matter of Krasno putting aside the jam elements and meeting Timberlake in his pop elements because we know i mean what's Timberlake going to get up there do and smack his butt with his you know tambourine for an hour while Krasno solos i mean like you'd love that wouldn't you i would i mean he's a Memphis boy <laughs> i think the fact that
2: Krasno also comes from the jam band community and has a keen sense for Improvisation and that comes with the ability to listen. Definitely helps him fit into a pop star's world where everything is so structured and there's very little room for any sort of change. So I don't see, you know, if Justin were to sit in with Eric Krasno's band late night s- set somewhere on a, at a festival, like it wouldn't be the same. You know, he wouldn't be able to contribute on Krasno songs or Grateful Dead songs or just. Would not be the same, even though he's a great singer and vocalist, like in order to get the full effect, like it's got to be his world, his catalog, you know, even if it is acoustic.
3: So interesting note here, a lot of uh, Krasno's friends and fellow musicians that he's had bands with have toured with pop artists, but it's just not something to even talk about with like they look back at it as it's just kind of something they do to pay bills like jesus coombs for example or adam Schmeen smirnoff for example both from lettuce have toured with britney spears and lady gaga but they weren't even visible to the audience nobody's coming to see them nobody cares if they nail that bass line or guitar solo and they kind of just do those tours so they can afford to do the tour they want to do so if it's It's kind of a collaboration. Like I would hate for a Krasner to just be clocking in and clocking out just so he could take his band on the road in his van later.
1: As someone who's seen Justin Timberlake twice, I can in fact verify that the band is on the stage. They are present. They may be not in the spotlight. Uh, They may be shielded from the the blinding lights that Justin gets, but they are on the stage and he does introduce them. Um, So, I mean, I, I can at least testify for my hometown boy. That he does give them a little more love than maybe Bieber, or Spears, or one of those knuckleheads. Yeah, I mean,
2: I just—do you think, in your opinion, though, Lance, haven't seen it? Do you think
1: Krasno would would get some of the spotlight? No, not like not like John Mayer would, <laughs> not like I mean, he it's it's pretty much exactly how y'all are saying it would go down. It would be you know, one song, he gets an extended solo that goes on for like a minute
3: while Justin runs and changes his outfit. Yeah,
1: exactly. And like he would, I mean, he would get the recognition like on guitar at Krasno and everybody would cheer and go wild. But I mean, and like, like you were saying, like stylistically he fits, he would do well, but it would be ultimately a gig paying, like a gig to pay the bills. But I think he would fit really well in terms of style. That's, I mean, you know, it, it wouldn't be the, you know, flea and Krungbin wet dream or anything like that. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to round nine. Marcus King and Kenny Chesney.
3: Oh wow. Boy. Honestly, I, I can yeah, I can see this one happening yep. just because I feel like one of these artists is leaning more and more towards pop and wants to get bigger. And you know, maybe changing band members, may not be introducing band members. So I I can definitely see him going on that tour. You know, Grace Potter did it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do it. It does pay the bills. And when you go on that tour, you might be asked to come in and take a guitar solo with Kenny's band or Kenny. I I honestly don't see Kenny coming out early because in this scenario, Kenny Chesney is headlining in my world. And, you know, I don't see him leaving the hotel early to come sit in with the opener, but I can definitely see him asking Marcus to come in, take a guitar solo on one of his songs or two. Yeah. I, I can, I can see this happening. It's not something I would go for. It's not something, again, where the crowd would really give a shit because they're there for Kenny Chesney, but Grace Potter did this. She lost her band, and this guy has had some upheaval in his band lineup recently because you know uh, priorities change and musical styles change over time.
2: For me, overall, I don't see it working. However, there is an element of excitement behind them doing a duet, and their two voices yep. working together. Um, I think... Kenny Chesney obviously has that stereotypical classic country voice. Um, I mean, he's really talented vocalist. Let's not even pretend. And Marcus King has a much different, refreshing power behind his voice and a lot of range in his uh, his vocals as well. So to hear someone like Kenny more grounded and traditional and then someone more contemporary and different, I think there's some excitement there with them doing a duet or something.
1: I mean, stylistically, Marcus King... It's not too far off. I mean, it's southern rock right. at the end of the day.
3: Yeah, Warren Hans has done sit-ins with country bands and it's worked, so I can definitely see it, you know. Yeah. Marcus King with a country band, that would definitely work.
1: It would be the kind of thing you you hear about it, you go watch the clip on YouTube, and then you forget it ever happened after that. Unless it was horraciously <laughs> bad. Like that's the only time you would really that's the only part of it that would be memorable.
2: Yeah. Um I do. I think Mar- I agree with you, like Marcus King not too far off, but he's not like a Blackberry smoke or something, you know, where it <laughs> fit like a glove. You know, there is a little bit of friction putting these two together. Mm. And I think that's where it's a little exciting for me, honestly, is because, you know, Marcus I, and, and I'm assuming he's allowed to sing and play guitar on this, too. Right. Of course,
1: because. He would it's your fantasy shred. man this is this is it's whatever we want <laughs> i don't know
2: some of these hypotheticals lance he kind of took away <laughs> instruments from
1: us so i just want to make sure we're on the same page
2: <laughs> but yeah i mean i think he would also contribute to, to chesney's like catalog itself by just adding that electric guitar in like it doesn't matter what he's playing at that point point. and also if he wants to do the grace potter part on you and tequila wouldn't hate it
1: Stu I have a real question for you Oh, Do you have tickets to see Kenny Chesney On his summer tour His summer beach tour or something I do not You're awfully sympathetic to him <laughs> I do not
2: And if he's listening to this Mr. Chesney Just no, let the record show I've said nothing bad about you sir <laughs>
3: <laughs> Respect for it too You know you don't You don't sell stadiums for decades If you're doing something wrong Like there's definitely Magic in that music Not for us But for somebody You know people would enjoy it For sure And that would be a cool opening act. I hope people will leave the parking lot and the beers behind and go in early and catch that set.
1: So we have made it to the 10th and final round. This is the epic super jam with four selections. I'm going to read them off as I open them. So it is, uh, so it starts with Rod Stewart, which whatever. We have Katy Perry as our second pick. Slipknot as our third pick. And, and and to finish things off, The Band. Oh, wow.
2: So I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I absolutely love The Band. And I absolutely love Slipknot.
1: Nothing wrong with that.
2: But the other two, <laughs> um, I think I respect from a distance. And like, just, <laughs> I don't really... I, 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 there's no
1: way, right? <laughs> I'm just going to throw
2: my hands in There's no way. There's just no way.
3: Can we vote against collaborations? Like, I hope this one doesn't happen. It's just going to be awkward and not rewarding for anyone because neither of those bands want to play backing band and neither of those front people want to do, you know, their other people's music. So it's just, uh, it's, this one's just not going to work. But Katy Perry sitting <laughs> in with Rod Stewart's band or Rod Stewart sitting in in Katy Perry's show Sure, absolutely. But when you throw in those two bands, even those two bands maybe share a stage, but then you throw in those two front people and it's just, yeah. This is something that the Grammys would cook up and it would just like, they would cut to commercials like within 30 seconds.
1: (laughs) They get the Billy Strings treatment. I mean, the only way I could see it is if the band is the primary band. You have members of Slipknot. I mean, Corey Taylor has a beautiful voice. When he actually sings, he has a beautiful voice. Katy Perry is talented and rod stewart used to be talented so i mean (laughs) i mean maybe maybe there's something there maybe they could have some you know katie's doing some backups to rod and cool i don't know i'm sure that's just not gonna work
2: (laughs) the band would have to be all of them Mm. because they're it's so essential you have all of them and it just it just I'm pulling and I'm pushing and I'm just trying to make it work. And I'm playing Tetris and there's just no way this is ever going to work ever. Not even Pete Shapiro can pull this
1: one off. Slipknot really is the wrench in the whole band, though, because Rod Stewart. I mean, yeah, the faces. I mean, they, the faces in the band could have been on the same bill and you wouldn't have batted an eye. Katy Perry does have a good voice. I mean, she can sing. Mm-hmm. It's not like she's devoid of talent. So, I mean, really and truly Slipknot is the wrench in this.
2: It's, it's too much, you know, it, it's just like it, it's too much for all of the other three types of music. It will drown it out. It'll, you know, whatever. It's adding a shot of tequila to a glass of Gatorade. I mean, it's, Ooh. it's going to change it.
3: Mm. More like a glass of milk. <laughs> the band can play the backing band, you know, the hints for the name, the band, but I just don't know where Slipknot fits into this.
2: It just doesn't work with any collaboration, yeah. Albeit even another metal band, mm-hmm. you know. If you try to be like, all right, half of Gojira and half of Slipknot, like, what does it sound like? It's like, well, like, probably not that great, mm-hmm. you know. Honestly, <laughs> um, so I, it just it will never work. Yep. This one, we're we're putting the stamp on like application denied.
1: Okay, so we have six more picks. I've dug through them. Do you want to, I, I formed a super jam that could be kind of fun. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to do one final, one extra, extra bonus round? Absolutely. Okay. So this super jam is pretty cool, in my opinion. We start with Trampled by Turtles. We get Bella Flex sitting in,
3: Ooh. which has probably
1: happened. We have Margot Price on vocals. Oh, wow! And from the corner of the stage, the rock and roll ambassador himself, Dave Grohl. Oh, my
3: God. Oh, wow. Oh, my yeah. God. Although very interesting. I don't know if Dave has ever fronted a bluegrass band. Not that he couldn't as extremely talented as he is, but this would be definitely new for him because the other three I can see sharing the stage and maybe they even have and we just don't know. But Dave Grohl, that, that's the interesting one. How does he fit in, in front of a bluegrass lineup?
2: I think Dave would be able to step in because he's taken – Foo Fighters songs that are electric anthems and like, you know, room shaking hits and strip them down and play them on acoustic guitar. And his voice becomes just as much of a commodity as it does the overall music itself. And I feel like the Bluegrass super group that you just outlined playing Foo Fighters music with a twang twist, and he still gets to play acoustic guitar. That to me is like a, a home run. Yeah. It is so cool.
3: See, for me, I'm imagining he's coming in with a kit since there's nobody on drums in this lineup yet. And then this turns into a very unique, very cool Foo Fighters type show where, you know, now you have Dave Grohl on drums, singing and playing drums with all these amazing, talented bluegrass musicians sharing the stage and adding their voice to his music. Call Call me traditional.
2: I don't believe a drum kit belongs on stage with bluegrass music oh i never thought dave would be behind the kit with this ensemble
1: because (laughs) that's dirty (laughs) (laughs) but i mean if you took it like an avid brothers route it would hit pretty hard with him on drums like you gotta admit
2: oh yeah i mean an avid brothers route is definitely more one foot in the right direction of like rock and roll yes they still have like string instruments on stage and stuff like that but trampled by turtles and bella like you need to hear them in a certain way like that music needs to be packaged a certain way it needs to be delivered a certain way it needs to hit the ears a certain way and i just don't feel like i feel like drums would ruin all of that um especially someone like dave
3: but trampled by turtles is not traditional bluegrass the material is indeed they don't Really, like, besides the twang on the vocals and the instrumentation, they're, I I don't really even consider them bluegrass. Like, that's not their songbook or their audience. Like, they're on indie lineups, they're playing indie venues, indie crowds. Like, they're not a kick up the dust type of bluegrass band or even a jam grass band. So, I don't know. And neither Belafleck himself is not traditional either. Like, he's done some bluegrassy stuff, but he's gone out of his way to do fusion jazz or even traditional Chinese music. Like, so I just, I don't know. I feel like this would work better with throw in a drummer, make it a Foo Fighter show is what I'm saying.
1: When I was trying to decide bands, I, it was between them and bluegrass or what's it? A uh, blue sky, green gas, green grass, whatever that band. Blue
0: sky, blue <laughs> grass. Yeah.
1: I, them. Uh, and I looked at Spotify and trampled by turtles has significantly more streams than the other band that I can't pronounce. Um, mm. uh, So, I mean, you're right. There's obviously got to be some crossover for, you know, 8 million streams on like two different songs. I mean, that, you know, there's got to be.
3: Yeah, Tremble by Turtles is definitely not. I honestly don't even consider them bluegrass. It's bluegrass instrumentation, but they're not playing bluegrass music. Like they don't do any of the traditional covers. They don't really do, you know, that country style vocals. That is just indie music. It's like sad, sappy, slow, folky music with bluegrass instrumentation. Green Sky Bluegrass, on the other hand, is basically if Fish played bluegrass instruments. Like that is a proper jam band. Again, they're holding bluegrass instruments, but I don't know if these are even bluegrass bands, either of these. Like Billy Strings by comparison, that's bluegrass music.
2: I'm going to propose something to you, Lance, as the ringleader of this circus. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give Mosin some time to think about it. But what we're going to do (laughs) is we're going to come up with two artists and throw them to you first, and then we can chime in as a quorum. But, Deal. and Mo, I'm delaying as much as I can so you can brainstorm. <laughs> I have mine locked and loaded. And this one is going to be an underhand pitch, a layup, if you will. Okay. And I'm going to let Mo decide how he's going to take his. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on this, Lance. And this is again, underhand pitch. Brittany Howard, mm-hmm. widespread panic.
1: Ooh. Uh, initial reactions is I like that. That sounds good. I, I never, I have not seen Alabama Shakes or Britney solo. Um, I've heard some mixed reviews about the Alabama Shakes live performance, just from a handful of people. Studio wise, Britney has an impressive voice, uh, great guitar. I think she would fit in really well with Widespread Panic. You know, I, I really don't even know what song to say. I, I think she would do. Adequate and just about anything they propose to her, and I think, you know, I'd love to see her and Jimmy go back and forth a little bit. That'd be pretty fun. Have her and um, John Bell go back and forth a little bit. I'd be down. That'd be kind of cool.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a very cool uh, combination. I think that could definitely work. Whitesher Panic has played the role of backing band really well. You know, mm-hmm. they are the greatest cover band in the country for sure. <laughs> you know,
2: I, we were so <laughs> close to not pissing off the spreadheads.
3: So, <laughs> <laughs> and there goes another thing but the thing is if you ask any of our friends which we all have many who've seen you know 50 shows 100 shows and you ask them what they're chasing a hundred percent of the time in my almost two decade experience of knowing spreadhead it's always a cover so that goes to say something about how extremely talented they are at covering these bands like honestly, i honestly think sometimes when they do Neil Young or Traffic—that it almost sounds as good as the original band could do it. So I don't know. I feel like that could definitely work. Maybe they play a backing band to her music, and they just add their little touch to it. That could definitely be a good show.
2: I I wanted to hear your thoughts, but Mo, hopefully I've dragged my feet long enough. Do you have your two artists locked and loaded for Mister Lance Ingram?
3: All right, Lance. Here you go. I'll i do an easy one for okay. you. Here's a an artist you mentioned earlier in the pod. I talked about as being a highlight of a show we saw together. So, you know, Sir Derek Trucks Mm -hmm. uh, sitting in with Motley Crue.
1: Uh, That's going to go horribly. Um, (laughs) I can't see Mick Mars giving any of the spotlight away. That would be really, really bad. I I don't think they would give him the room to do what he does. I, I don't think he I say that. But Derek's virtuosic enough that I think he can meld to his situation I mean, he could stomp on a distortion pedal and do some. I mean, he could shred. I'm sure he could do some fast stuff. I just don't know how well it would meld. i did get booed off Yeah, I mean, I just can't. I don't yeah. know if the crowd
3: wants that.
2: Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna see another Prince open up for Rolling Stones in in the early '80s, and the crowd's throwing glass bottles, and he leaves early. I I don't think they would appreciate the greatness that Derek Trucks is. Um, I also feel like. There's no real depth to their music anyway, besides nostalgic chasing women on the Sunset trip in the 80s. And like, I I just, you know, Derek is better than that. He's so much better than that. And I, I don't think they would appreciate it.
1: So, I mean, I saw them on their, I don't know what, like the previous farewell tour before this one. (laughs) <laughs> or whatever it was, the one in, the one they did in 2014, that farewell tour,
2: the weekend at Bernie's farewell. Yeah,
1: tour. It, it, was like, it was. I mean, it was, was bad. bad. I mean, like, yeah, it Ooh. was. It was not a good show. Like Alice Cooper opened and blew them off the stage. He was phenomenal, but they were bad. And like you were saying, the nostalgia. That's all the show was was nostalgia. I was telling somebody after the show, I was like, those dudes literally still live in the 80s. Like they have not moved on mm-hmm. at all. Like, I mean, they really did act and talk and think like it was still the 80s. And it was really sad. You yeah. you guys have not moved on at all. Vince was terrible. I mean, he sounds oh, God, awful. He... I mean, not that he was ever yeah. just a great vocalist. Just use a backing track, dude. Like, I mean, it was so bad. And I mean, I threw some, sh- I threw some shade at McMars, so I'll take it back. He is a great, like, glam metal guitarist. I'll give him that. Like, he stands in his spot. And he solos, and he sounds. He has great tone. He has great precision. He is a great guitarist.
2: Yeah, I would hate to throw one of my favorite musicians in the world like into the fire like that. I would almost like buy a ticket so he didn't have to go play that show. <laughs> like how much do you need they? Yeah, what yeah. did they offer you? <laughs> I'm sure we can start fund me. I'll double it. I'll take out a high interest personal loan, and you never have to do this.
1: <laughs> I can tell you what I would be interested in in that pairing, though. The backstage hey, would you like to come sit in on Dr. Feelgood? I would be interested to see that footage of them interacting.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is um, kind of how I feel about the Black Crows. And I would pay money to watch the two brothers step into an octagon and fight each other at MMA than I would go to see them make music together. <laughs> so I just can't let this happen. <laughs>
1: Well, since we're uh, devolving to violence on the show, I think it might be a good time to wrap it up.
2: Yesterday's (laughs) concert doesn't condone violence. Yes.
1: uh, Yesterday's concert is anti-violence, pro-love, get along with your neighbors, sit in with the bands that are going to love you well. Uh, So with that said, I'm sitting in with the brothers that I love well, Mosin Hussein and Stu Kelly. Gentlemen, thank you so much for playing the game with me. I've had a blast seeing you again. So much fun, dude.
3: Thanks. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure. Thank
1: you so much for
2: having us, and I can't believe it's been 12 years since we've all been in the same room for live music together. More than that, we need to change that soon.
1: Definitely do. I'm Lance Ingram, and this is Yesterday's Concert. Thanks for tuning in to another show. Sources and more information on today's show are available on our website, yesterdaysconcert.com. While you're there, check out some old episodes, or connect with us on Twitter, at ConcertPod, or on Instagram, at Yesterday's Concert. And until next time, take care of your
4: shoes. It's NFL Draft Season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football